0: How's it going, everyone? Welcome to episode seventy-one of Your Frequency. I'm your host Jimmy Champagne, and today, as always, I'm joined by my worst enemy, George Frizzard. <laughs> What's going on? I changed it up.
1: <laughs> the now we're bitter rivals as opposed to close allies.
0: Okay, we can be friends again. All right. So this week we're talking about Brightburn in segment two, but before we get into that, do we have any emails or reviews, George?
1: Um, I didn't see anything this week. Uh, so just a reminder that if you do send us any reviews on itunes we'll read them on the show or any emails uh, if i get to them get to see them before we record i will also read those
0: yeah and the email address is fearfrequencypodcast at com. and please leave us a review it really helps we still have all those one star reviews from those idiots <laughs> those stupid guys
1: yeah our, our ratio is <laughs> evened out a little bit um we're sitting at a, a cool 64 reviews right now, so it'd be nice to, to boost those numbers a bit.
0: Yeah, that's a lot of reviews, though, for a podcast. It's like pulling teeth to get people to do that. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> I know, because I listen to so many podcasts, and I'm like, I'm never going to do that.
1: <laughs> yeah, But I started to. And you see every podcast to. basically request it, so it's uh, a universal issue with getting getting reviews from people.
0: Yeah, but whatever what have you been playing this week george
1: uh so the main game that i have jumped into is rage 2 um so i've been playing a little bit of that uh i played probably about six hours so far and i'm i'm having a total blast with it
0: yeah i got that too i bought it at launch and then i got a review key so i gave it to craig and he's enjoying it too (laughs) friend of the show craig But um, it's really fucking good. It's basically like Doom mixed with Mad Max. The one thing I don't really like is the open world aspect to it. Yeah. Are you you having trouble with that? Or are you just kind of like having fun with it?
1: Yeah. I think that the the big issue with it is that like most of the encounters feel like a little samey. Like they're all fun because it's the whole point of the game is just basically using all your powers to like beat up on groups of enemies. So whenever you get to a camp or something that has enemies, that's always a fun way to kind of test out whatever arsenal and like as you progress you get new new powers and weapons along the way but actually like driving from place to place or discovering areas is kind of a pain it takes you out of it when one minute you're having this like really fun uh adrenaline fueled gunfight and then the next you're driving a car that can boost for 0.1 seconds halfway across the map to try to find an arc <laughs> to get a new power i mean did, it, did you unlock the
0: helicopter yet no i don't have the helicopter It makes you, you can just go from one side of the map to the other with it, but uh, there's only one car you can upgrade, it's that Phoenix one, and Mm -hmm. they got, I think her name's like Linda Carter, the lady who played Wonder Woman on the TV show. That's the voice for the car. (laughs) That's (laughs) a a weird poll, but I guess someone's got to do it. (laughs) I guess they were just like, yeah, we like her. Uh, I I like the way the driving feels, and I, you could do this thing like where you pick up another enemy's car and if you drive it back to the one of the main towns there's three of them you can like call it in whenever you want it's really cheap and so i spent some time getting a bunch of different cars but i've been mostly sticking with the helicopter and the main car
1: yeah i've upgraded um i think i've added like one power to the main car the uh disruption blast or whatever because there's those certain cars that drive around the wasteland that have a shield that you have to break off before you can hit them so i think that's the only like upgrade i've done to the main vehicle so far but um i think that the the encounters are really fun i think like they're set up for telling you how many chests they have in the area is a good way to kind of have you explore the their little playgrounds like really well so you want to get all the money and the and the current the, the weird thing about the currency is that there's too
0: many of them and the menus suck so <laughs> yeah, the menus are <laughs> terrible so are you playing on xbox yeah i'm playing on the one x okay so i'm on pc do do the menus like fucking la- are you, so You're you're controller. do they yeah, lag they, they, they definitely lag, lag. so yeah. bad <laughs> yeah and it, it automatically opens up like the, it's listed in convenience like order of convenience but backwards so, like, the things you never need are first in the list of, like, menu trees. Right. And then, so you always have to go all the way to the very end because it doesn't loop backwards around. So, if you want to get to your vehicle, you have to go, like, hit RB 60 times because it only works, like, one out of 20. <laughs> <It's> like, what <laughs> or the hell it, like, is going on? it
1: takes another second of waiting for the input to register. So, uh, that's really weird that the menus are both, like, unintuitive layout but also clunky to navigate. Um, and there's, like... <laughs> yeah five currencies so far, and they're strange. And then there's, like, also the stuff you can buy from those merchants that aren't really explained too well, like, how they work or what to do with them, like the schematics or the health upgrades. Or... So, so there's definitely some stuff that's, like, not quite ironed out, but <laughs> the the actual gameplay and the powers you get and the f- guns all feel really fun, and the encounters haven't gotten boring for me so far. I've, I've been having a lot of fun kind of just using all my powers to their fullest potential and and ripping through enemy after enemy
0: yeah i really like uh the fact that you can kind of do anything in any order you want so i've been going around doing all these things called arcs which are they have encounters in front of them they're like the vaults in fallout but they're full of like ammo i guess i don't know but you go into this arc And then you can get new power. So once I realized that that's how you get new guns and new powers, I was like going all around the wasteland area trying to find those. And you get some really cool stuff. Like once you get the double jump and you have that double jump, then you get a slam. That's when things really open up. Because if there's ever too many guys around you, you can like punch the ground and blow them up into like a billion pieces. Because the gore is really good too. Yeah. You can shoot off limbs.
1: Yeah. It's it's definitely doesn't shy away from that at all. And even the upgrades you have on those abilities are can like really drastically change how effective they are. Uh, for the slam, like it, you can jump up, and if you have it fully upgraded, you can create like a mini black hole that sucks all up enemies up yeah, to it, and then that. slam down through like more enemies than you would have initially gotten. Or you can increase like the distance of the shockwave for when you slam down, um, cooldown time. So it's actually can be you know really make the po- the powers a lot more useful when you actually get into upgrading them to their fullest potential
0: yeah and the weird thing you were mentioning about leveling up in currencies and stuff is like you c- there's this thing called ferrite i think it's called it's like these blue crystals that pop out of guys when you kill them there's meteorites that crash into the ground that you have to go collect from it's like stuck to the walls but if you kill someone and a bunch of ferrite pops out of them you have to get it quickly or it disappears but it's kind of like it's currency but it also heals you when you pick it up so if you're in battle and you kill someone, you want to go pick that up to heal. And so you use that to level up your guns. But then once a gun is leveled up, at each level it unlocks multiple skills in a skill tree. So then you have to use a different currency right. to like level that up. Right. Use this ferrite for everything. So use the ferrite to get the, like, the base level levels for anything. Like your car, yourself, your abilities, your guns. And then there's currency for each different thing. So there's like body currency and car currency and weapon currency, yeah, and it's it's weird trying to figure out how to get it all. It's right, like what? Uh, I gonna... mean, it's it's
1: luck of the draw when you get an arc chest. What you're going to pull out of it? Is it going to be another car upgrade mechanic, or is it going to be something a gun mod where something that you'll actually want to use? So it it's kind of hit or miss in that sense. Um, I think they could have cleaned some of that stuff up, but I think that the the core of it is really solid.
0: Yeah, and. So, the other thing I really don't like about it... Oh, no, one thing I do like about it. This is what I was going to say. I kind of forgot. Far Cry, when you're driving around in Far Cry, if you see an enemy's car, it's going to stop and attack you no matter what. But in this game, a lot of the cars, they won't fight you unless you're going to fight them. And I like that a lot. I think that's cool. But then there's these things that are called convoys that start getting marked on your map. And they're like giant Mad Max-style convoys that you have to strategically take out with your car. And they have a lot of health and it can sometimes take you all the way across the map and all these different biomes but those are really fun but other than that the open world is kind of like whatever
1: yeah i've seen i have seen a little bit of how different the biomes are and i think they did a good job of making them cool and unique from place to place the map isn't very huge which i think is completely fine for a game like this where it feels like you know it's more focused on just kind of filling the map with stuff. And I think if the map was any bigger, it would just feel even more empty than it does now. Uh, So I'm fine with the map size. I think that it's, you know, good for the content that's in there. But I think that just having the open world kind of takes away from the experience when it should be almost like the Doom from 2016 where you're just going from encounter to encounter instead of having the choice to drive across the map and drive to all these other places that can just feel kind of... You know, can, can take you out of it.
0: Yeah, and it's weird that the car combat isn't as good as it was in Mad Max. It's like, you already had that done. <laughs>
1: right. <laughs> I mean, so far, there's, like, the machine guns. I think there's, like, some uh, rockets you can get. There's a couple powers. But they don't really... It doesn't... I, I mean, it's the closest thing that I can think of car combat-wise is it feels like the cars in uh, Borderlands where...
0: A lot like those, yeah.
1: Where you have like the, the one uh, reticle that you can aim at things and it'll fire at those, and the cars like kind of move a little clunky, and then you can swap your weapons and then use, you know, the different weapons obviously have different like rates of fire or different effectiveness. So um, it, it just doesn't really feel like that intuitive to use or that like you're really interacting with anything while you're using the weapons.
0: It's weird because they, they just got it right in a different game I know. <laughs> so it's <laughs> weird that, like
1: you would take a step back in this game when Yeah. That should have been like as good and as involved as the Mad Max car combat if you wanted it to feel like like you're not missing out on any action by getting in a car. They should have focused on that to make that feel more fun, like as fun as the firefight, so there's this like disconnect of the encounters are cool but the driving sucks and, like, getting from place to place sucks, they, that could have all been bridged if they just made the car combat fun.
0: Yeah, so overall, I think it's worth playing, though. Like, I'm not mad I spent 60 bucks on it.
1: No, um, I, I'd say at the very least, like, rent it or something, if you still, if that's an option, um, or, like, if it goes <laughs> on sale, on, like, a Steam sale or something, I would say this is definitely one to pick up. Um.
0: Yeah, I'd give it, like, an 8.
1: Yeah, I mean, so far I'm having a lot of fun with it, and, and I want to go back and play more.
0: So in addition to that, I bought Resident Evil 4 on Switch and that's kind of just like perfect in every way. I know a lot of people are upset that it doesn't have the motion controls from the Wii, but I don't I was I looked up gameplay. I'm like, why is everyone so obsessed with this? It makes it too easy. Like there's no challenge at all to the shooting when you can point at the screen and it's a guaranteed hit. Like Right. It's a survival horror game. It's not an action game. I feel like it's fine to just play it like the way it was intended on GameCube. It runs really well. It kind of like dips a little bit below 60 sometimes, but for the most part in handheld mode, it's totally great. I love it. It looks awesome.
1: Yeah. I mean, this is for sure um, one of the best games ever made. It's definitely like one of my top three favorite games ever. Um, So I also bought it on Switch. I haven't had a chance to to play it yet, but I'm definitely really excited to check it out because... Dude, you it's know, so dumb. They like, put, any excuse to play that game, I'm happy to jump back into it.
0: Yeah, because it's perfect. But they put out Resident Evil 0 and Resident Evil Remake on Switch 2, and they did a physical edition for 1 and 0, but they didn't put 4 on physical. I would love to have a physical Switch cartridge of 4. And Like, like why didn't you do this?
1: That, or even, like, I don't know if they'll, they'll make it or not, but, like, a Leon uh, Amiibo or something would be kind of cool. But oh my just,
0: god, that'd be so sweet. Yeah put them in smash that game is like a nintendo game at its heart because it came out on gamecube first yeah it, it was, was exclusive, a exclusive to that for a long time yeah i they mean that like, would have been no. cool
1: <laughs> but i mean there's but, not really much much else to say about that it's a perfect game if you've never played it before and you have a switch it sounds like this is one of the better places to play it
0: yeah it's a little expensive at 30 bucks but if you like are into the idea shrinking it down to handheld size is really good for a game that that that's as old as it is uh it looks awesome on a 720p screen that's five inches i haven't played it on the tv but apparently it's the exact same version as the ps4 version and the cutscenes got a little blocky in that when it was on the tv so yeah and i think that was an I issue
1: because i think this is a direct port of the um ps4 and the um the xbox version so It's a
0: direct port of those, which were direct ports of the 360 and PS3 one. There's no difference between them.
1: Right. I think, um, and and I don't think they really upped the resolution or anything in the cutscenes at all. They just kind of like made them work and and that was about it. So those are a little blocky, um, like they were in the the last gen versions. But, I mean, it's also kind of nostalgic in a sense. If you played it as a kid, it's kind of cool to see those those same cutscenes come up.
0: Yeah, it's, it's still like a perfect game, though. If you just played Resident Evil 2 Remake, and you're looking for a Resident Evil game that's similar to that, 4 is the way to go. It's really your only option, because I, I've i seen a lot of people saying you can play Revelations, but those don't control the same as 4 does. They, they're very different-feeling games. They look the same, like third-person-over-the-shoulder-type shooting, but you're kind of magneted to the floor in the Revelations games mm-hmm. in a way that you're not in four. Like you have much more freedom of movement in four and Revelations just doesn't feel right. It just, it's, it's, it's not like remember Mercenaries 3D on 3DS. Yes. How that felt like Resident Evil four and five. Mm-hmm. The Revelations games don't feel that way. They feel just not right. So if you're looking for something to play now that you've been Resident Evil two remake, you should play four because it features Leon and which is it's a a really good story and it's still canonical like it still lines up really well because right at the beginning they're like umbrella fucking caused an outbreak in raccoon city and it got nuked and now you're working for the government and you got sent to spain or wherever the fuck to pick up the president's daughter yeah so it's still canonical same character very similar gameplay you can't move while you're aiming but that makes it scarier and there's some really cool boss battles and it's just the atmosphere is perfect you're in this village this hub village that you keep coming back to is like one of the coolest levels in any video game. Yeah. Cause every time you come back, they refresh all the items so you can kind of like fight every time you come back. But the first time you can decide how difficult it is for you. Cause like you can go into one house, lock the door, you get a whole cutscene that you wouldn't see otherwise, but that causes the chainsaw guy to come out because the game gives you the shotgun that early. There's just right. all this like really cool stuff like that that I love.
1: Yeah, a lot of cool hidden secrets and um, interesting things to find if you've never played it before, and if you're a returning pro, I'm sure you know you'll know that like behind all the pictures of Salazar, there's a gold brick, or you know stuff like that hidden throughout the game.
0: Yeah, it's just so good. It's timeless. It's one of the best games ever. Learn how to use the quick turn. Also, yeah, yeah. that's for Grayson and Ethan, our mods on the Discord. <laughs> They've never played it i think i know ethan hasn't but i think grayson has before but damn dude it's such a good game and then on top of that um at work we got in the oculus quest which is the new oculus headset uh the difference is that you don't need to connect it to a pc but it uses the same controls it has a better screen than the vibe in the other oculus the old one and it's like the truth we got our work run in and that day i just like went to best buy and bought one it's, it's so good <laughs> horror is right at home on vr it's crazy how good that stuff works yeah on there i ended up buying the zombie game where you can it's a dual it's like a dual wielding on rail shooter where it brings you from room to room and the locations are like farms and underground crypts and stuff like that it works really well and you have like normal guns like a pistol and a shotgun and Yada, yada, yada. And then you also have melee weapons like hatchets. And if you, the hatchet works like Kratos's hatchet in God of War, where if you throw it and it gets stuck in a zombie, you can always call it back to you. Well, that's kind of cool. Uh, that's, it's really fun. Uh, graphics are pretty good in it too. It's just crazy that, like, I played VR before and I loved it, but it's always been so cost prohibitive. But this is like the perfect middle ground of cost to experience to ease of use. Like, this one is one that you use because you can just keep it in your backpack.
1: Yeah, I mean, just the benefit of it being a totally wireless device, you can pull out and and throw it on and just, you know, you don't need a massive computer with a bunch of wires or um, anything like that. You can just kind of pop it in and go. It seems like this is kind of the sweet spot, and I've seen a lot of positive buzz about it on on Reddit, and uh, I know you've been kind of chatting it up to me, so... uh, Have you been on the
0: Oculus Quest subreddit?
1: I have, uh, there's been a few posts that have actually made it, uh, like on the, some of the like second, third page of Reddit. So it's, it's definitely getting a lot of, uh, community like popularity at the moment.
0: It's sold out on Amazon, but you can get it at Best Buy right now. Um, this game, I, I got really into sideloading stuff onto there because, It was like one of those things, it's the exact same situation as the Switch where every developer was keeping an eye on it, but they were waiting to see how it sold before they decided if they were going to port their games to it. And lo and behold, everyone loves it. So now everyone's like, we're porting this, we're porting this, and this is coming to the Oculus Quest and all that stuff. But a lot of the games from other devices that run Android, you can just load onto it and they'll work. Mm -hmm. So I put Minecraft on there, and I got an emulator on there for Super Nintendo and Game Boy Advance, and there's a really cool app called Oculus TV that any app you sideload—that's just an Android app—it it like lets you watch it as if it's on a big TV, and you can use the controllers to interface with it. That's cool. So it's really cool.
1: Yeah, seems like a really cool piece of tech. And uh, if you're interested in VR, this seems like kind of the the perfect jumping on point.
0: Yeah, I I can't wait till more horror games come out on it because it's just perfect for it. Right now they have Exorcist Legion VR, which I hear is pretty good. It's like th- it was a three-episode VR game where you're a cop in Boston and you're trying to solve the Pazuzu murders or whatever mm-hmm. like someone is possessed by Pazuzu and each episode is like 45 minutes so you get a full game out of it for 10 bucks and yeah, not bad. it's apparently really scary.
1: Yeah, I mean it just but, seems uh, like the more immersive you are in like an environment especially in a horror game the better. So in a uh, VR situation where literally you like exist in that space it seems like that just really ups the tension in a way that a normal game can't really recreate
0: there's a paranormal activity game that's apparently really good for psvr and everyone's asking those devs to port it i really hope they do because i would i would love to play anything in the paranormal activity universe because that's such a scary series
1: yeah uh, that that definitely be cool and i think this is probably going to be um you know if the vr trend kind of grows the way that we're seeing i think this will be a big spot for growth for uh, future horror games
0: yeah so that's everything i'm playing i have layers of fear 2 they were kind enough to send over uh, like a bunch of cool stuff but i'm also doing a giveaway for layers of fear 2 prize packs on my youtube channel on monday when i post my review so if you guys want to potentially i think it's like a t-shirt and a water bottle and like a copy of the game i'm giving away. They're really cool where, unlike every other game developer, I just do the giveaway and then tell them who won what, and then they just send it out. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's, it's Gun Media, the guys who published Friday the 13th. Uh, remember in Salem we met that guy Ronnie, yeah. the bald dude? It mm-hmm. was really cool. He's the one kind of handling everything uh, for this game, and he's just been really cool to work with. So I'm really excited to play that game. So I'll have, I'll have that to talk about next week. So uh, I've also, with, uh, you have been watching it too, we've both been watching Doom Patrol. Uh, yeah. The first episode's free on YouTube, and it was so good it got me to subscribe to DC Universe.
1: <laughs> yeah, that's, um. I only watched the first episode because you were kind of telling me to, to check it out, and that, you know, you could obviously watch the first episode for free, so I checked it out this week, and I, I kind of went in with, with no expectations, I wasn't sure exactly, I had never heard of Doom Patrol uh, so I, I had literally no idea what to expect character wise or anything, but it's it does a pretty good job in this first episode of like introducing characters and making you care about them in an hour. And like not only that, but they're a band of like these misfits that should be very unlikable and they're able to kinda show you this like much darker, R rated kind of DC universe that they're creating for their television shows, which I think is a cool direction for them to take.
0: Yeah, and Brendan Fraser plays the main character, Robot Man. Yeah, He doesn't actually play him in the show. So, like, his name's Cliff Steele, I think. His whole story is he dies. Him, his wife, his daughter die in a car accident. And his brain is saved and put into this robot body. So there's a ton of flashbacks where he's still Cliff Steele. That's Brendan Fraser. But when you're seeing Robot Man, it's a actor named, I think, Riley Shanahan. Doing the, like, body stuff. Mm-hmm. And then he's doing the voice. Brennan Fraser is voicing, doing voiceover. But I watched some interviews with Brennan Fraser and he's like so into the role. (laughs) He knows everything about it. I I just love that he's back. That dude's had a really rough life. And it's weird that he's basically playing a very similar character to himself who like lost everything. Right. Where he was like this
1: this big star and then now he's like kind of washed up. And that's very similar to what he had, you know, where in the 90s he was like an A-list action star and now like he hasn't really his story been is so tragic yeah <laughs>
0: he, he was forced to do all of his own stunts and that really fucked up his body he had to get vocal cord surgeries back surgeries like leg surgeries and then he got i guess like sexually harassed at the golden globes by a huge tv producer uh, like 10 years ago mm-hmm. and he brought he like tried to bring out the accusation of it but like he got blacklisted by hollywood like all the like hollywood elites turned against him and basically got him out of the industry because he tried to talk about how he got basically raped. That's, and so crazy. he went into this like deep depression. Now he like, he like bought a horse farm <laughs> and he has like an autistic son and he bought this like horse from a TV show he worked on that they were going to put down and the horse can't really do anything. Cause it's like feet are all fucked up, but his kid really likes brushing it. <laughs> so he like got it for his kid. It's just like, it's really cool, inspiring story. So it's good to see him back. The show itself is great. It's so good. Every character is cool except for one that has a bunch of personalities. I don't really like her. And then they shoehorn Cyborg in f- from the Titan show. Oh, do they really? Like, whatever. <laughs> yeah, he, they replaced another character on the Doom Patrol with him. And it kind of works. They're very similar. But, like, I don't know. I don't, I don't really like Cyborg. I, it's, I, I like that this is so disconnected from DC it's a very cool unique show
1: yeah i mean i think it's cool that they really do kind of lean into um like a darker more like hard r tv universe where i mean there's like there's some nudity in the first episode they say fuck i mean like they're not afraid to swear they're not afraid to (laughs) there's like sex scenes right i mean there's like they really it's like an r-rated comic book tv show which like i guess the closest thing you could do would be like the Netflix Marvel shows, but I think those are like basically a hard PG 13 at best. Um, yeah.
0: This is like R. Yeah. <laughs> it's it's like, really cool.
1: Yeah. So I think if this is the direction they're taking, that Swamp Thing show is going to kick some major ass.
0: Well, all the reviews came out today and they're amazing. So I'm really excited for that show next week. I just, I don't know what's after that, but I've actually been getting a lot of mileage out of the reading comics on the DC app. I didn't realize that it came with. Some good like comes with a bunch of DC comics. So I've been reading Gerard Way's Doom Patrol run, and so far it's worth the eight dollars I spent on it.
1: <laughs> yeah, seems seems like a good deal. Um, I'm I definitely want to watch more of the show. So uh, maybe we can talk about it as we see more.
0: Yeah. So we can get into the news now. Uh, the first thing on here is that Hulu ordered an anthology series called North American Lake Monsters. I bet Travel Channel's pissed about this because <laughs> you know like, they you, wanted it you like, took our fucking yeah. show <laughs> <laughs> like what the fuck right they're trying to buy all these like weird horror shows <laughs> like they were probably like we we're gonna have Kane hotter go to all these places <laughs> Yeah, so the Hollywood Reporter reported that the series will explore how encounters with vampires, fallen angels, and other monsters force Louisiana natives to re-examine their broken lives in what is being described as a contemporary horror anthology. The take will be an invisible, individual, individual episodic anthology in line with Into the Dark rather than Castle Rock's seasonal variety. I thought this was going to be like a documentary show until I just read that. Now I realize that it's something different, and that sounds cool. I'm really excited.
1: Yeah, um, I I think that it's like, you know, drawing on old folklore about monsters. I think if like effects are done well and like story is told in a a good way, I think this could be a cool series. I mean, yeah, North American I lake Monsters seems like a good um, topic to draw from in terms of like old folklore that we haven't had too much exposure to, but could be done in an interesting way.
0: Why are they calling it North American if the whole show focuses on Louisiana? That's like one state it's weird
1: yeah i mean maybe they're starting with louisiana and then they'll branch out to other states they're seeing how this one goes and or maybe louisiana is just a (laughs) massive well of these lake monster stories and they can just do a whole series based on that
0: hey man we got the michigan dog man yeah
1: we got michigan dog man so maybe fingers crossed we'll get one of those episodes someday
0: they've really like you know shot themselves in the foot by uh focusing on lake monsters and not just like north american monsters like why do they have to be around lakes
1: yeah i mean you could do you know basically a cryptid show right where you could have like the moth like lost tapes yeah totally like where you could just have these episodes based on different cryptids and just do like an hour on them i mean that'd be cool to me but maybe maybe that'll kind of evolve from the series or it'll be a spinoff or something like that
0: Right. And then the next story you have on here, because George has been doing the doc lately, just so you guys know. So if you're mad about stories, I know who to go after. <laughs> Taika uh was talking about What We Do in the Shadows, the spinoff movie they've been working on forever called We're Wolves. And his quote is pretty funny about it. He said, We're Wolves is the film that Jemaine and I keep pretending that we're making. Every couple of years we say we're making this new film called We're Wolves, which follows the werewolves from the film What We Do in the Shadows. I feel bad to even mention it now because we keep saying it, but it's like a dad saying, yeah, I'll be home for Christmas. It's not like we don't want to come home for Christmas. We (laughs) would like to do something more... But we have a lot of shit going on. Then he said he asked the fan who inquired about it. He said, When are you gonna die? Do you have like a deadline before your death? <laughs> I guarantee before then. Five years, ten years. It took us seven years to write the first film. So you do the math. That was a sad thing to say. So they're working on the movie, but it's it's gonna be a while before we see it, which kind of blows because the show seems to be doing well. It got renewed for a second season. He's just too famous now. He's got all this other shit going on. Right.
1: I mean, once Thor Ragnarok took off and Tekka Waititi became a director people actually want to work with. I think that kind of pushes all these like small house projects like way in the back burner because he could be doing these like really big cool projects. So it sucks that like we might actually never see this movie but I mean at least the show's doing well. It seems to you know have really rave reviews. It got renewed for a second season Um, but it it would be cool to kind of see him come back to like his roots and make the we wolves movie that that we've wanted for so long
0: yeah it sucks because he had this philosophy forever which was like one for them and one for him and now it's becoming like th- two for them or three for them and then kind of maybe one for him where he would get to do his own indie movies but he'd have to like go do thor ragnarok in between or whatever to get the money for them right so i mean success is success and he's really successful
1: yeah, I, I mean it's probably just a situation where there are a lot of these like big, cool projects coming his way that he, you know, doesn't want to turn down because they're probably time sensitive or whatever. And you know, you kind of have to strike while the iron's hot. If if you just did Thor Ragnarok and everyone's asking for you, you should probably do a couple of these other movies to kind of really get your name out there.
0: Yeah, people are mad all the time about you know that he's not making movies like this, but hey. At least he's he's still making movies, you know?
1: Yeah, and I mean, he shows that even in, like, a big budget situation with uh, the Marvel movies, he's still a hilarious writer. Like, his voice very much shines through in those. Like, even in Endgame, you know, the biggest movie that's been made in the last ten years, he had, like, the bit part uh, as Korg, and he was still, like, absolutely hilarious, so.
0: Yeah, I wonder how he got paid for that. Like, he's acting. Weird.
1: yeah i feel mean, like he's a lit, he wrote himself into the movie he's an actor he's basically uh how uh, john favreau wrote himself into uh the role of happy and that's kind of paid dividends for him throughout these other movies
0: yeah it was really smart i love john favreau he's a he's a cool guy yeah definitely so in other exciting news shutter actually renewed the last drive-in with joe bot Briggs. so the drive-in will never die that's pretty cool uh, I don't know why this is surprising. It shouldn't be, but Shutter was kind of like quiet about it. But then they were just like out of nowhere, like, "Hey, we renewed uh, the last drive-in, which was supposed to end with one live stream, and then we did two more, and then a full season of a show." Right. And now we're getting more of that. So that's pretty cool. I'm really happy about that. I've been loving this show. I've seen every episode now.
1: Yeah, um, I missed, you know, one or two. Here or there but I, I think i mean i just think the format is awesome i think introducing all the, you know all these horror fans to new movies or if you've seen them before just getting the Bob commentary is awesome to see i mean it's just it's a fun thing to look forward to every week i mean i know this is like kind of a limited run where they only do do them for like a month or two but i just think it's such a cool um show i mean joe bob is like one of the best hosts Ever. So I think it's just cool that he gets this show and he gets to do more of it. I mean, he seems like he's really excited about it. Twitter, you know, every Friday night, my phone, when I check Twitter, it's basically just a feed about this show. I don't know if yeah. that's just because, like, the the type of people I follow, but I think there legitimately is a huge amount of buzz around this show, and it, and it shows that it's, you know, paying huge dividends to Shudder since you know if joe bob's willing to do it there this is like a money printing machine i think a lot of people probably have shutter subscriptions just to watch this
0: yeah it's kind of like a i guess a problem for shutter that it's really their their only original right now that's ongoing like they they bought stuff over the years like movies and everything like that but this is their only ongoing series right now until creep show comes out so people must be watching it which is good because they renewed it
1: yeah i mean they, they had um I the ranger. I mean, that was a purchased one, but it, you know yeah. I think that generated a little bit of interest. And if they can get the creep show out um, soon, I think that looks good. From what we've seen initially, it seems like they're getting the right people involved in it. And I think if that's as good as uh, we're expecting to be, like if it's on par with like the first creep show, even uh, I think that that would be kind of a huge step for them and show people that hey, we can make original content and actually make make it good. Like we'll give it the proper budget. We'll have the right people working on it. And I think that would be go a long way for people to maybe consider keeping their subscriptions and not just when Joe Bob's on.
0: Yeah. And uh, uh, Joe Bob had a great quote. In this interview he said it hasn't even been a full year since the 24-hour last drive-in marathon but since then i made a, fa- a thousand new friends and reconnected with thousands of old ones the main reason i'm coming back to do another season is that this community of horror fans is greater than the sum of its parts and it's about something larger than horror don't ask me what that thing is but it's a source of great joy to me so that's really cool to hear i i could see how he'd be bitter about something like this because it kind of seems like he's the biggest he's ever been right now And he's been trying so hard to make this as an ongoing thing for pretty much his entire life. But thankfully, a lot of those old clips are on YouTube. So if there's ever a horror movie that you're like, I want to hear Joe Bob's take on it, he's probably already done one. And you can just go find his little segments on YouTube. I just did that for the Texas Chainsaw Massacre 3. Yeah. uh, I did a whole segment about that.
1: Yeah, I mean, there's a huge amount of them. Like, r- really, any kind of cult horror movie you can think of, you can search that and Monster Vision, and there's probably a Joe Bob clip of it. Like, <laughs> they they were pretty extensive uh, in terms of, like, amount of movies that they watched on that show. So um, it, it's just cool that, you know, he's happy to do it. We all are happy to watch it. It seems like a, a match made in heaven, and, and I hope it, it goes for as long as Joe Bob's happy.
0: Yeah, I just hope it keeps coming back around. It's just so much fun to watch. I really liked... The problem is that he did such good movies in the first marathon because he thought that was going to be the last one. So you got Hellraiser knocked out right out of the gate and Texas Chainsaw Massacre and Reanimator. Those are all movies where it was like, shit, like, what's he going to do now? But he's consistently managed to find movies, at least one that's worth watching every week. Uh it was really cool seeing the House of the Devil. Yeah, House I didn't the like Devil. the Changeling, but I would, I still watched it just because of him. I mean, there are a lot of movies like that, but like Deathgasm was a movie I never thought I'd see him cover, and I really liked that movie. So it was nice to see it get some buzz. It's it's just cool. There's a ton of movies he's covered that I really like.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think the catalog has been pretty consistent. Uh, there's been a lot of fun fun movies that he's picked, and and just. Even if you don't like the movie, hearing him kind of, you know, the Joe Bob breaks where he comes in and talks better are always hilarious and just a really fun. They keep you engaged just because you're kind of waiting for the next thing Joe Bob says, and, and that's, that's a cool way to watch it.
0: Yeah, so, I don't know. I'm going to watch the other two episodes after this while I'm playing Laser Fear, and I cannot wait. So, next up on here, you have... A new quote from Ari Aster, who said, "Midsummer is something of a companion to Hereditary. But then if you drill in and read the quote, it's like, <laughs> what are you even saying, dude? He said, there's nothing as explicit as worshipping King Payman. Uh, there's no payment involved, but I would say that the film is something of a companion to Hereditary, although the similarities don't really occur to me until we were on set. Thematic times became apparent... The manic ties became apparent to me is what he said, but nothing so over as payment worshiping. He said, I would say hereditary is absolutely a horror film. And this film is as I'm very careful to call it an adult fairy tale. That's what this is. This is an adult contemporary fairy tale. It's like, I don't know. That doesn't make me happy. I don't like <laughs> when fucking horror directors market their movies as horror movies and then say, well, well, this one's not necessarily a horror movie. It's yeah. like, just call it what it is, dude. That, that was and so this disappointing like, to me. It's just kind to read of this.
1: fishing in this sense, where it's like, you know, obviously, Hereditary was a massive hit on both the like, um, festival circuit and in theaters. It was huge. Horror fans everywhere. I think were pretty unanimously praising this movie. Um, so, I, I mean, when he says something like this, where he's like, "Oh yeah, it's connected," but like, not really connected. It just feels like him saying like. If you like that movie, please come see this movie. Like, it does, it's not really going to be similar to that. But I'd hope that if you saw my last movie, you'll come see this movie too.
0: Yeah, and you already said he only had two horror movies in him. I don't know. It's just, it's annoying. I hate when horror directors do this because Ty West did the same thing. I didn't know that. But Joe Joba was talking about that with House of the Devil. And Ty West, who's directed movies like... Uh, you know segments in VHS he's directed stuff like the house of the devil he did the innkeepers he did a bunch of fucking horror movies like the sacrament he's really only done horror movies and he says well I'm not a horror director it's like Yeah, you are. You fucking are. It doesn't matter if you say it like that, so why don't you just accept that? Like, you made the choice to exclusively direct horror movies, so you shouldn't be upset when people call you a horror director.
1: There's nothing wrong with it. Right, like, at the very least, like, his most successful movies are horror movies. Like, he may have done other movies in between, but, like, the ones that he is very much remembered for are those. So if that's the case, if you're looking at your filmography, you should kind of you know, stick with you know, what has been the highest received by by people who are going to see your stuff and for ty west that seems like it's mostly horror movies and it seems like ari aster kind of wants to break away from that but if he's got another hereditary in him i think he kind of would be it'd be a waste if he didn't kind of release that
0: yeah it's just stick with what you know you know there's nothing wrong with being an expert in a niche there's nothing wrong at all with that and You don't need to be the best at everything. You don't need to be the best director of movies. You can be the best director of cult mumblecore movies. Yeah. (laughs) Fucking house of the devil is, or even the innkeepers. Like he gave a lot of people some really cool jobs and some really cool roles. And it just kind of seems like he's turning his back on that. I mean, the guy was a a character actor in your next. If you don't want to be called a horror director, then don't, Continually pigeonhole yourself into being a horror director. Work on doing something else. the o- The only thing I can really think of he's ever done other than horror is In a Valley of Violence, which is a western, but it's still got his horror vibes in it, and it's got horror actors like James Ransom. It's like, I don't know, it's annoying. Yeah. <laughs> it, 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 I, I feel like I don't want to say you should think about how fans perceive stuff like this because, like, t- that's telling them how to think, but. It's it's I think it's fair for fans to assume that he is a horror director. And same with Ari Aster. Like the dude's coming out and doing two horror movies in a row. Sure, he might go do something else after, but as of now, the guy is a horror director. And it's like they always talk about it like oh, this is something they talk about it like it's a dirty thing like that right. they they don't want to be labeled as that, but I don't know. It's a, it's annoying. I mean,
1: it's almost like, you know, back when originally Fangoria was released, it was in the pornography section of like magazine stores and stuff and it's like now horror is such a mainstream genre that it shouldn't be treated as like you know looked down on or less than any other because there have been some really really successful horror movies and there's been some really big stuff to come out in these last few years so you know if that's something that you're into i don't think you should shy away from it you should kind of embrace it especially if things like this has you know has been so well received
0: yeah and it I don't know. I, I don't really have more to say on it. I think I've talked about this before. It's just, it's frustrating. That's a, that was a really good point though about Fangoria. It's like, horror is fine. It's a genre movie. There's nothing wrong with it. And there's movies like Hostel and Cannibal Holocaust that are exploitation movies and gore porn, but those movies have an audience too. Just because you don't like it and you're this high class, tasteful person, critics or whatever. That doesn't make it any less of a movie than the stuff that you go out to see, you know? Right. That's just how I feel about it. But hopefully Ari Aster, you know, someone kicks him in the side of the head and says, <laughs> hey, idiot, direct more horror movies because that's what you're fucking good at.
1: Yeah. I'm I mean, fine
0: I'm fine with other genres, but stick with what you know.
1: Yeah. And, and you know, I hope Midsummer is good and creepy.
0: I'm sure it'll be great. I'm so excited. That new trailer they put out last week or whatever was awesome.
1: Yeah. So,
0: next up on here, some really weird news that people are getting really upset about. Robert Pattinson is, uh, according to Variety, going to be the Batman in Matt Reeves' movie, uh, which comes out June 25th, 2021. I don't understand why people are so upset about this. Like, to me, he's the perfect Batman. I I think this is, like, I, I hate the term, but I think a
1: lot of, like, normies who only have seen him in Twilight... Take one look at that, and they're like, "Oh, the vampire guy from the <laughs> the baby teen movies." You think that sparkly vampire is gonna be Batman over my dead body? And it's like, how would you look at the guy's filmography for one second and realize that he's done more than those movies by like a large margin? <laughs> like, if if that's your only exposure to him as an actor, you owe it to yourself to go watch like eight of his movies that are all fantastic. I mean, I, one of the earlier movies we reviewed on the show was. uh uh, good times which is like yeah. arguably like probably one of his best movies that he's in uh, definitely really that was my favorite it.
0: movie the year it came out like yeah. i loved it
1: i mean he's like an insanely strong actor in that movie and you tell he like the guy just has acting chops and he is like so good i, I don't see how he would possibly be a bad pick for batman
0: i don't either and he's he has fighting experience and stuff like that it, it's bizarre people are just movie like Movie fans of franchises like DC and Marvel, it's just you want to. I want to shake them. I'd be like, get a fucking grip! <laughs> like you haven't even seen the movie. Remember how upset people were when Christian Bale was cast as Batman and Heath Ledger was cast as the Joker? Right. It's like you are not movie makers. Right. You and are now- fans. <laughs> Let the people who are making movies make their fucking movies. Right. Like, Especially when uh, you get
1: they make those decisions like that. People people see Heath Ledger. like, Heath Ledger, that guy. You're telling me that guy's gonna be the Joker, and then he comes out and just is like does the performance in an insanely new way that no one's ever expected before people like to pretend like they never said anything they're like oh i always thought he'd be really good as the joker and like he was such a good actor he really like really did an excellent job in that movie it's like quit lying to yourself and just like look at things objectively (laughs) before you make a decision
0: and let people who have made entire careers doing something do that career because you're not one of those people you're not a casting director you're not a script writer Sure, it's working out for you with Game of Thrones right now because those guys rushed (laughs) through that script so they could do a Star Wars movie. But they wrote six other great seasons of that show. So, I don't know. Just get over it. Life's too short.
1: (laughs) Yeah. um, But I I think both of us are really positive on on this casting choice. I think he's going to be an excellent Batman. And I think people are really going to have a lot of egg on their face when he comes out and just absolutely kills it.
0: Yeah, Matt Reeves did the like criminally underseen Planet of the Apes movies too. So, I think that guy's going to do just fine with his Batman movie.
1: Yep, those are all excellent. All three of them are amazing.
0: <laughs> yeah, there's you put Child's Play news on here. The long and short of it is the doll looks different in every shot, just like it always has. There's nothing really to talk about. So, the movie's embarrassing to talk about (laughs) so saw this is even weirder news saw is being reimagined by chris rock with darren lee bosman returning to direct and this is crazy it came out of can i guess chris so after jigsaw that lionsgate was working on getting a new saw movie made to come out this year and apparently chris rock walked in with like a story idea that runs adjacent to the story that's already been told and it was so good that they stopped working on the movie that was going to be out this year and they yeah. were like, let's start over.
1: <laughs> Isn't that absolutely insane? Yeah. Like,
0: what, d- what, did he, what did he come up with? That's insane. <laughs> uh, I,
1: I mean, it's, it's kind of a cool thing when, you know, we've seen all these comedy writers come in and absolutely take these horror franchises and turn them on their heads. Like, do work that we would never expect out of them and just make these absolutely killer horror movies. And so now Chris Rock is one of those Possibly. I mean, he, he comes in with this amazing Saw idea. I mean, if he's involved in the movie, I think this could have potential to really breathe a lot of new life into the Saw franchise.
0: Because it needs it. It needs it really bad. It's a really cool franchise. It's iconic in a cool way. It started out with James Wan and Lee Winnell, who are right. two of the best people in the industry. Ever. Right, that
1: are still, like, massive names in the <laughs> in this sphere and are continuing to grow... And it's just like, you know, it's cool to see that there, we have these kind of big name celebrities like Chris Rock, uh, that wants to get involved in it, that wants to breathe through life in it, has these ideas. And I think like, you know, if Chris Rock walked up to you and said that he had a great idea for a Saw movie, you'd be like, yeah, yeah, fucking right. I'm sure this is like a pile of shit. But then like, you know, he comes out and knocks out of the park with this idea. And I'm, I'm just really excited to see kind of what the the vision is and if they go forward with it
0: yeah me too i I, i'm really excited about it i just i want to see it soon i hope this isn't like a big derailment for the franchise i hope this is something that like we don't have to wait years for you know i yeah that's my only fear i think like
1: a year or two would probably be fine but i think any more than that and it really just it'd kind of be like one of those pipe dreams at that point where it's like yeah we heard about it but it'll probably never happen
0: Yeah, I I really hope it comes out soon though because that's that's exactly what the Saw franchise needs. But that's it for this week's news segment. We're going to take a quick break and be right back with our review of Brightburn. Okay, we're back from our quick break, and this week we're reviewing Brightburn. So this is a movie that has been kind of, like, put through the ringer. It was supposed to be announced at Comic-Con last year during a huge panel that Sony is putting on, and that panel got canceled thanks to uh, all that shit that Mike Cernovich did to James Gunn. Basically, James Gunn produced it. His longtime, like, protege or whatever, David Yaravesky is directing it. That guy did a VR experience for the Balco experiment for James Gunn, and his brother, Brian... And his cousin Mark wrote it, so it's like a gun family movie that right. they all made together. <laughs> and it the easiest way to describe it is that it's evil Superman. It's that's exactly what it is. It's his origin story, um, but he's bad. Right. Do you like it?
1: Yeah, uh, I thought this movie was pretty damn fun. Um, I thought that actually the performances of uh, I thought Elizabeth Banks was definitely the best character in the movie. She played like the mother of the kid. The evil superman pretty well uh brandon and I, I don't know like i just thought that like their interactions were really believable i thought that the gore was really well done seeing the evil the gore, superman so good <laughs> act out these evil fantasies was really cool like all the scenes of him using his powers are awesome and it was just kind of cool to see this kind of classic like comic book hero movie but through a different lens and i think that the way that they kind of flipped it on its ear was done really well and turned out awesome
0: yes it's like it's like what everyone said chronicle was but what i wanted chronicle to be getting to see this kid named Brandon, where at the beginning of the movie, when his powers start to activate, you're like, oh, maybe he's going to be redeemed. And very quickly, they're like, no, he's like evil now. And he's going to use the (laughs) Superman powers to just straight up slaughter people and take over the planet. Like, that's his goal. And I was like, all right, that's exactly what I wanted to see. I'm all in. And they did a really good job of selling the idea of his parents not really wanting to rat him out, his mom especially. Yeah. Because at the beginning of the movie, they're like so obsessed with having a kid and they can't, and then this baby crash lands in their backyard, and they're like, fuck, this is our kid now. So it's like the, the stakes are pretty dire for them. And right. that I works mean, out can, really well.
1: You can see why she has such a deep connection to him, even when she you know basically knows that he's doing all these evil deeds. You know, that's her son at the end of the day. I mean, that's a, she's raised him since he was a baby. You know, she obviously has this really deep connection with him. So it's hard to kind of turn your back on your kid, even if he is, you know, doing all these really horrific acts and, and is, as you know, evil incarnate, basically. Um, another thing that I wanted to kind of praise this movie was I think the costume design was really cool for the Brightburn character. Um, His
0: mask is sweet.
1: The mask is awesome. Like, he, it looks really cool. It looks awesome in motion. Um, like, the CGI effects for his powers, like, the laser eyes and flight and super strength and everything, I think, are kind of, like, subtle, but done really well, um... And I, and yeah I thought,
0: they, they, this movie was made for six million dollars can you right. believe that like no. i was watching i like <laughs> they probably spent like 10 15 million on this right because of who was involved it's screen gems like they're not throwing around big money but they spent six million bucks on this and it looks like a 20 million dollar movie Like they put all of their money into all the right stuff making sure the cgi looks good i'm sure elizabeth banks did them a favor because she's really tight with james gunn she's right. the only big name in the entire movie uh, that's it everyone else is kind of just like all newcomers or people you haven't seen in a while. And the gore is fucking insane. It's one of the goriest movies since like hostile.
1: Yeah. I mean there's it's so gory. There's one scene in particular that uh is really like insane how real it looks. <laughs> I don't want to really spoil anything because I think everyone should kind of go out and see this. I hope it does well um box office wise. Like I hope it's a critical success because I'd like to see more takes on these like evil superhero stories i think this was done well enough that it sold me on the genre of like yep please do another movie like this because i think this is done so cool
0: yeah it ends really well it does a really good job of explaining how like things could continue after this movie even though everyone's sort of finding out how evil he is he's just an unstoppable force and it's really cool the effects of what he uses his laser vision look great His flying ability is cool. They do a really good job of just showing him a couple inches off the ground because that's, like, cool in itself. Yeah. And they do a lot of shots where he goes out in the woods camping or hunting with his parents because he lives in Kansas. And they did a really good job at capturing that small-town sensibility, and it shot really well. A couple of the shots in the daytime were overexposed. I was curious. I couldn't figure out. I feel like they shot this on the A7S2 like they did with Possession of Hannah Grace Mm -hmm. because it just kind of had that look to me. But they did a good job with what they had, and it is a very simple story, but it was a really good story.
1: Yeah, I mean, like you were saying, it really does not show its budget at all. It looks like a way more expensive movie than it was. Uh, Costume design is good. The story is super fun. Like, if you have any connection or any knowledge of Superman, I think this is a fun story just to kind of see, you know, someone who has all these powers, but obviously only uses them for good, what if they just unleashed all these for their own personal gain. And that's just like a cool way to kind of flip the script. And I think um, this is a good template for future movies if they want to try that with other
0: superheroes. I saw a few reviews complaining that it didn't explain well enough why he went bad, but it tells you at the very beginning of the movie, pretty much straight up without just beating you over the head with it. He's learning about wasps in class. And there's a type of wasp he starts talking about that like, brute forces other insects into raising their babies yeah and it's like yeah and and the wasps are (laughs) still connected to a hive that tells them how to think it's like i don't understand how that wasn't a clear enough explanation for a lot of people but i guess unless it's like told straight to you it's right (laughs) right over some people's heads
1: (laughs) there's this exposition scene where elizabeth banks is like well why my son are you doing this and he's like didn't you hear my wasp story in the beginning of the movie
0: It was weird. (laughs) I just, I really enjoyed the movie though. I I think the criticism that a lot of people have is that it feels a little rushed It moves through things a little quick, but it's so clear that that's just because of budget reasons. Like they probably spent every last cent they had on this movie and I'm sure it would have been longer or more padded out in some scenes if they had the opportunity to do so.
1: Yeah. I mean, I I think that that is kind of a valid complaint, like pacing just because it it does really kind of go zero to a hundred. But the scenes are also fun to watch that it's not really an issue if you're into it. If you kind of just agree with the mythos and just say, yep, this is how the story is progressing, it doesn't really bother me. Like, But I would say that's probably the biz- biggest complaint with the movie is just that the pacing is a little bit off.
0: Yeah, I, I don't really have a lot to complain about. I feel like it's unfair to knock this movie on a lot of things because... They were at an unfair disadvantage from the start making this movie, and then they got put at another unfair disadvantage because of what happened to James Gunn. And it feels like Sony and Screen Gems are just writing this movie off and just saying, well, it's not going to do well, so we're not going to market it. Yeah. But this is such a great movie. It's totally worth seeing. Yeah, I think it deserves a sequel.
1: I mean, it just sucks that, like, their other movies like Slenderman and Possession of Hannah Gray's had commercials, and this one doesn't. When it's like,
0: and those movies made money. It's like, right. Like you have these
1: two absolute piece of shit movies and those are like what you're going to put, put your like marketing weight behind and not this, which is actually like a unique, fun, cool, good movie. Like you don't, you don't want to pimp this as like, these are the kinds of movies we're making. You want to show off Slenderman and possession of Hannah Grace. Yeah. I mean, this is like the one Sony movie I've seen in the last year that I've actually liked. So that <laughs> that says they're kind
0: of like platinum games where they have an A squad and a B squad, and the A squad puts out stuff like Don't Breathe, and then the B squad puts out stuff like Slenderman, you know? Yeah. And this is definitely an A squad movie. It's just it's all about what creators they're working with and how much leeway they get. I hope there's a sequel to this. They set up some cool stuff at the end to do kind of like a bad Justice League or bad Avengers. Right. I hope they get that chance because and more money because they deserve both.
1: Yeah, I, I'd say I hope it does well. I loved it. I'd give it probably a 4 out of 5, and I would say definitely go see it this weekend.
0: Yeah, definitely, especially if you like gore. This is one of the goriest movies ever. There's so much good gore in it.
1: Yeah, there's some very realistic-looking stuff, and they did an insane job with uh, their budgeting, and it just it works really well start to finish. It's, you know, the story's fun. It's cool to see him use his powers. The acting's pretty good all around, and it's just... An interesting story and i think if you're at all into superheroes or i guess slasher movies it's kind of i think this is something that is a must see
0: yeah i totally agree it's so much fun it it's releasing at a terrible time for some reason going up against aladdin it's doing the same shit as child's play it doesn't make any goddamn sense but go <laughs> see this movie it's so good it needs it needs to be seen i i love it it's, it's like it's a very similar situation of fucking overlord it's like these movies are great right people are like well it wasn't put in front of my face enough so i'm not going to go see it despite how many people tell me it's awesome it's like i just don't get that mentality if you're interested <laughs> in seeing a gory ass superhero horror movie then go fucking pay 10 bucks to see brightburn yeah you, there's no excuse not to
1: yeah i mean i i kind of hope this is a genre starter and um you know, so I just hope that it makes the money that it needs to start kick this off in a, a meaningful way.
0: Yeah. So that's all I've got on uh, Brightburn. you have anything else to add?
1: No, I would say just once again, go see it. It's it deserves deserves your money more than Aladdin at this point because <laughs> to make it infinite so... money anyway.
0: <laughs> I don't know. I've heard very weird things about it i've heard from some people it's great and i've heard from others that it's not <laughs> guess i'll just have to see for myself now that i've already seen Brightburn. i paid my dues go <laughs> check out shitty aladdin but uh that's all i've got guys you can follow me on twitter at jimmy champagne go watch my review of Brightburn on my youtube channel where can we follow you george
1: uh i am at george fazard on instagram and twitter and letterboxd
0: awesome all right guys see you next week bye